mama, I'm in fear for my life from the long arm of the law. Lawman is putting end to my running and I'm so far from my home. Oh, hey, what's up, Bills fans? Sorry, I was just listening to the Bills' new hype song. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of the Mafia Mavens podcast, a podcast from an all-female perspective, all about your Buffalo Bills. I'm your host, Danielle, and with me is my host, Robin. Hello, Robin. Hello. And today, we're here to talk about the playoff-bound Buffalo Bills. So let's open up, actually, with that song I was singing which is called Renegade by Styx. In Pittsburgh, it's a song that they play when the Steelers are on the field to get their fans hyped up and to get the team hyped up. And it's supposed to get them fired up to make a big play and come out with a ferocity and win the game. But the Bills kind of took that over this week and made it their own. And they actually were the ones that took the opportunity to have that song fire them up instead. Let's talk about that a little bit, Robin. Tell me what you think. It was incredible. It was a stroke of genius. And I loved watching Sean McDermott squirm when reporters were asking him after the game, well, what was that renegade thing all about? And he smiled like the Grinch does that I always put out on Twitter. It's big. It's huge. What he did was a psychological move that I think was a stroke of genius. And the players just responded like nobody's business. He played that song according to, I think it was Matt Barkley that said he played it no less than 40 times during practice. 40 times. Now, you have to think about what that does to your brain and the kind of things that he can implant in your brain and to pair it and associate it with the song as a trigger. And I think we saw something just unroll organically during the game. It all just came together. Brian Dayball, gee, do you think that was coincidence that Josh threw that 40-yard pass right at the same time this was all going down? No, it was like scripted almost. It couldn't have gone any more perfect for that team. Exactly. And I think that very well could have been by design. If the defense was out on the field at that time, who knows? Leslie Frazier might have had something up his sleeve. But the point is, this is just such a smart thing to do because now they have taken over that song. Literally and figuratively, they have taken over that song. So what do you suppose they've got in the hopper that they might take over at Gillette Stadium on Saturday? Hopefully Tom Brady's body. <laughs> yeah. But no, I agree with everything that you said. And it's almost like a, a psychological warfare type thing where the Steelers, they use it to get themselves all jacked up and their fans are waving the terrible towels and everything's going crazy. And the Bills came out and they just deflated that and they made it their own. You're right. Matt Barkley said that they did it, you know, 40 some times over the course of, you know, the week of practice. And some of them ended up hating it. But at the same time, when they heard it on the field, they knew it was time to rock. This is something, you know, our podcast will never be an X's and O's podcast. We know that. We're about the mental aspect of the game, which is really half the game. I want to read a tweet that I read shortly after the game. And it was from Adam Unger. He said this, and it was McDermott, I believe, that was speaking here. He said, on the energy that Shaq Lawson and Jordan Phillips bring to the team. 
at the end of the day, it's played by humans. If you bring your right attitude to the challenge, it helps a bunch. Our team feeds off that. And that's a big thing because I remember when I was an insurance agent and we did a two-week training course in Chicago. And the teacher was all about PMA, positive mental attitude. But it's also a very real thing. These players are probably taught the whole PMA shtick. And they believe it and they go with it. They go into the game thinking that they can win, believing in each other, playing for each other. And you see outcomes like the Steelers game where they grind it out against one of the best defenses in the league and they win. They somehow manage to overcome all their mistakes. They get it together. They win. So this Renegade song was really, I think, the start for them of winning that game. Because before it was, you know, really close. At that point, Renegade comes on. Josh Allen throws a 40-yard touchdown pass to John Brown, who, by the way, everyone complains about Josh Allen not hitting on the deep ball while he hit on the deep ball after the Renegade song came on. And then you see Devin Singletary broke off a run. I don't remember how many yards. It was like 12, 13, 14 yards. And at the very end of it, Tyler Croft, who is just now starting to get implemented into the offense, breaks free and Josh Allen throws a touchdown pass to him. And that brings us up 17-10. And that's where the score stayed for the rest of the game. So this team is just, they have everything going for them right now. You know, they have talent, they have great coaching, they have that positive mental attitude. Everything is rolling for them right now. And really, they are going to be a tough out in the playoffs. Very definitely. And it's interesting when you bring up the issue of the mental aspect of the Renegade song. The only thing I can add to that is it goes right to even something at a subconscious level in terms of operant conditioning. I think Sean McDermott completely understands this. When you flood somebody's mind with a song, that song becomes a trigger. That trigger, depending on how it's paired, it can it can be a very positive thing. It can be a very negative thing. In this case, it caused them to enact a sense of invincibility within themselves. I know this sounds like a bunch of hocus pocus to the analytical types, but bear with me. It's real. It's just as real as Skinner's rats pressing levers. So the bottom line is Sean McDermott is learning what is it that he needs to teach his players when they press that lever, they get what they want, which is a desirable response, which is what? Winning. Okay. It's, it's not that complicated. And Sean gets it in terms of understanding this isn't just schematics. As you put it, that's the perfect term, psychological warfare. And Sean is interacting and creating within a scheme, psychological warfare that's very effective. I'm impressed. I'm really impressed. I think he's doing such a great job all the way around. But if you look at it and you want to be able to relate to this and what we're talking about, think of it this way. We've all had a bad breakup or two in our lives, right? And we've all had songs that we've listened to over and over and over again during those bad breakups. Well, fast forward to years later when we hear those songs, what do we think of? What comes to mind? What feelings arise from hearing that song? It's going to be those negative, depressing feelings of breaking up with someone and heartache. It's the same thing that Sean's doing, except he's doing it in a positive light. You know, sort of, sort of like a Christmas song. When somebody usually hears Christmas songs, they get happy and excited and they think of family and, you know, eggnog and the Christmas trees and things like that. He's doing that to this team 
And he's employing so many different variations and ways of trying to, I don't want to say brainwash or psychologically manipulate the players because not really, but he's just, he's employing these things that have worked for many, many years for people. Absolutely. And I applaud him for understanding and being able to create effective game plans that include this kind of psychological strategy. This is breaking into new ground, just like the training center, the AdPro training center. The holistic nature of what they're doing there is breaking new ground. This team is exciting on a lot of levels, and I don't think people think enough about how innovative things have become since Kim Pagula has been very involved in the aspect of development at One Bell's Drive. Right. You're right about that. And it's Sean McDermott is really, truly thinking outside the box when it comes to football. And that's something that I will always appreciate. And that's the reason why he's made the playoffs with this team that was a complete mess when he took over two out of three years that he's been here. Exactly. And I think we're just beginning to see Sean McDermott bloom as a coach. You know, and keep talking about the players and it's a young team and blah, blah, blah. Well, you know, he's a young coach too. He's a young head coach. And it irked me when people would start getting picky about all the things that he was doing wrong as a head coach, because it's like, look at, he hasn't been in the business as long as Belichick has in terms of that level of experience. And so he's going to make mistakes. But like Josh Allen, he learns from the mistakes that he makes. And hopefully, you know, the next year he implements a plan differently. You've seen a big difference between the way he manages a game now compared to the way he did his first year as a head coach. He's grown light years. If anything, I think it's interesting because he's less rigid than he used to be, at least from my outside view, in the sense that he's much more open to doing other kinds of things than I think he was at first when he felt his structure gave him comfort, for lack of a better way to put it. Well, yeah. And the thing is that Sean McDermott preaches adaptability to his players, but he also, once again, practices what he preaches. He's willing to adapt and make small changes here and there to what he needs to do in his game planning and the way he approaches things. And that's what makes him such a great coach. Absolutely. And I think that he's just beginning. We talk about, you know, when is Josh Allen going to reach his ceiling or whatever? Well, same thing for Sean McDermott. And I think that there are years ahead that he will just continue to grow in his wisdom in weaving this all together in terms of creating a sustainable program. And when you have a general manager like Brandon Bean, who is excellent, excellent at drafting, you know, the future for the, for the Buffalo Bills is very, very bright. It is. And we haven't been able to say that for a very, very long time. So this is so refreshing as a fan. And it just really makes me excited. Gives me some warm feelings inside. Yay. (laughs) All right, let's move on a little bit and talk about the Pro Bowl. So last night, the Pro Bowl picks were announced. And congratulations to Tredavious White for being selected to his very first Pro Bowl of his young three-year career. Now, he's the only Buffalo Bill that was actually selected. but There were, I believe, eight other members that are alternates for the Pro Bowl, which actually is a pretty big number compared to other years, because normally we might have, you know, two or three total between selections and alternates. So I think that's great. Do you feel that any of the players were snubbed or that we should have had more players picked as straight up starters for the Pro Bowl? Or do you not really care about it? Well, you know, it's kind of interesting because I think 
the public probably cares about it a lot more than the players do. To be honest, this team really is a team in the sense that I don't see a lot of players who care more about their own stats. For example, you know, we hear Josh Allen talking about how he doesn't care about a 60% completion stat. He just wants to win. And I think that that's a common attitude on the team. And I think that everyone's happy for Tredavious. And it's wonderful that there's a whole bunch of bridesmaids that are waiting in the wings. I think it's great that they're getting, you know, that kind of recognition. But I don't think this team needs it, nor particularly cares one way or the other. I think it's more of an issue for Bills fans than I think it is for the players on the team. Yeah, I I agree with you there. For me, I just think it's a popularity contest. And I think a lot of people have realized that that's what it is. But, you know, another thing is, It's not like this team is or has been consistently winning for the last five years and been in the playoffs every year since then. They're sort of new to all of this. They're new to starting to learn to grind out wins. They're not quite at the elite level yet. So I don't really see a big deal with it. I think Tredavious White absolutely deserves to be in the Pro Bowl. He's had a fantastic season and he's had a fantastic three years since he's been here. I really am so proud of him. There are other members of the Bills that I think should have been named at least as an alternate. You know, let's say Devin Singletary. He's been amazing. And Frank Gore is on it, but not him. I don't know if that makes any sense. Matt Milano is one of the best players in the Bills defense. He wasn't in. So for me, it's kind of a little bit of both, but mostly I just don't really give a shit about it. Right, right. And I'm with you there. It's nice. It's a, it's definitely an honor and the recognition is, is important. And I kind of feel the same way that Sean McDermott said, there are players that deserve recognition, but this is a team. And I think that they're more concerned about the playoffs and winning these last two games and moving forward than who gets named to the Pro Bowl. Yeah, it is. And I think this is going to be some bulletin board material for Sean McDermott, probably today at practice and the rest of the week until they play the Patriots on Saturday. So Jerry Sullivan said that Sean McDermott, one of his quotes on the players being selected to the Pro Bowl, on one guy in the Pro Bowl, first and foremost, the guys who were recognized, that's great. I felt we had a lot of other guys, though, that deserved recognition that worked hard. So it's a team game. He also said Matt Milano and Micah Hyde certainly come to mind. Absolutely. I agree 100% with that. I was actually quite shocked that Micah Hyde wasn't even on there as an alternate. And then he said, it goes back to the team, and that's the most important part. That's super important. They're a team. I tweeted out yesterday that, for me, the way they play as a, a unit, and they're unified, I think they're all pro bowlers in my mind. I think that they've just done a fantastic job That's why they're sitting at 10 and four in the playoffs already and are doing such a great job. Um, Another player, you know, Deion Dawkins, he's been really, really good this year. Last year where he took a step back and this year he's really probably been one of the best players on the offensive line. There are just too many players that have played really well. It is kind of hard to get them all in the Pro Bowl because half the league probably they don't even know who they are at this point. But In a few years from now, when they're consistently playing at an elite level, they'll get the recognition they deserve. So I'm not too concerned about it. Yeah. The only thing I can add to that, too, is if you think about it, in theory, if you don't have very many players make the Pro Bowl, there's not a bunch of individuals being recognized. Therefore, this is a real team because the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. 
So individually, you look at each player and go, oh, well, okay, his stats are this, okay, his stats are that. But together, they play as a team, and so they're actually better as a team than they are as individuals in terms of stats. They sure are. You know, that just supports that. That's just supporting evidence. That's our Buffalo Bills, Robin. That's our Buffalo Bills. There we go. So regardless, somebody said that what I tweeted out about them all being pro bowlers, that was a real mom kind of tweet. And yeah, you know what? I'm proud of my boys. That's exactly how I feel. (laughs) There you go. Let's move on to the all-important Patriots game on Saturday. And it's kind of like a primetime game, although it's not exactly at night. It's going to be in front of the nation, well, at least on the NFL network. How important of a game, how big of a game do you think it is on Saturday? Oh, man. The opportunity is there to basically put another nail in the coffin of the Patriots dynasty for one thing. And how many years has it been? What, like 20 years since you could feel like they could go into Gillette Stadium and really honestly in your heart of hearts have a chance to win the game? I haven't felt that way for 20 years. I haven't. And so this is new, you know, this is new territory for me because I believe this team absolutely has a very solid chance to go in and win the game. They can't beat themselves. That's how the Patriots have been able to rack up as many wins as they have this year. You know, they get other teams to beat themselves. But if they don't beat themselves, I think they're the better team. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, I think that their their defenses are pretty similar. And I would be willing to say that the Bills offense is actually a little bit better too. Marcel from ESPN said that Tom Brady ranks last among qualified quarterbacks in completion percentage and off-target percentage over the past four weeks. And he's also been held under 200 passing yards in back-to-back games for the first time in five years. There's a definite decline going on there, Robin. Oh, 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 it's music to my ears, please. It's music to my ears. And please, can we stop all the fawning and protecting of Tom Brady's ego? For God's sakes, he's not the first great quarterback that, you know, had to learn to hang it up when it was time. I remember when Peyton Manning went through it his last season. You could see it. Everybody could see it. I understand being polite, et cetera, but good grief, guys. You really think that this is just a flaring elbow problem that he's got right now? I don't think so. I think this is an aging elbow, which is a completely different thing. It's a geriatric elbow. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And nobody could enjoy it more than I do because we share the same birthday and the man has completely stolen my thunder. That's rude. I have no... Yes. Absolutely. So I have no love lost for him for a lot of reasons. Boo hoo. Well, look, here's the thing, too. The Bills have just been terrorized by the Patriots, like you said, for so long. And now they finally have a chance to go in there and beat the piss out of them in their home stadium. Okay. So that's what I'm looking at. I think that our defense has a better matchup against their offense than their defense does against ours. And I don't know if the Bills are going to win the AFC East. You know, the Patriots have to lose out. We have to win out. I could see us winning out, but I just can't see New England losing to Miami. I don't know. Maybe. Unless Fitzmagic has got one more game inside him. One last game for us. I know his kid's a Bills fan, so maybe he's going to be like, Dad, come on, do Do it it for the Bills. Bills. (laughs) 
So, you know, but here's the other side of that, right? So it, it is a big game in that sense that we could go in there and just erase them from our memory at that point. But the other aspect of it is, I don't know. I kind of also get scared because they still do have a really good physical defense. We also have to play the Jets the last week of the season, and they are known for being a little bit dirty on defense. And I really don't want to see any of our players getting injured for the playoffs because that's what we're really looking ahead to. So do you kind of take it easy and sit some of the starters this week, or do you think they play full on? You know, it's going to depend a lot on circumstance. And I think there's, you know, a lot of different ways this could play out. But I think if there's a chance that they can win the division outright, they're going to play balls to the walls until that's taken off the table. Yeah, I mean, that is kind of Sean McDermott's MO. I I guess I can't really see them giving up per se. But I guess I get a little worried as a fan thinking, oh, it's it's the Patriots defense. They're good. You know what Mm. I mean? I don't want them tearing up our offensive line or hurting god forbid josh allen or something just stupid happening in a game that maybe just might not matter anyway because the patriots might not lose to miami the following week do you know what i mean yeah i think the patriots have their own way of cheating anyway at gillette stadium so you know who knows you know who knows what's going to enter into the equation there but here's the thing to be honest with you i'm more afraid of the jets being dirty yeah because Greg Williams is notorious, and that's the game that frightens me more in terms of an injury perspective. Belichick may be a cheater from the word go, but I don't think that that there's as much of a risk of, of dirty play as there is with Greg Williams. Yeah, it's weird to say that, but no, I agree. So maybe yeah. if if the Bills lose to the Patriots on Saturday then I think that they probably rest a lot of their starters the following week against the Jets. That would be the smart play, in my opinion. I wouldn't lose sleep over it. I would definitely hope that they would think about Greg Williams and and what he's capable of. Hopefully, because remember the first game, it was dirty. It was real, real filthy. I didn't like it, so. That's his M.O. Speaking of dirty, Jonathan Jones the cornerback who knocked Josh Allen out against the Patriots the first time we played them, he actually, he hurt his groin and he remains out of practice. So he might not be a go on uh, Saturday. And that's kind of a big deal because he's their slot cornerback and we know what Beasley can do. So I don't know. I'm kind of keeping my fingers crossed that maybe he won't be able to go. But also, honestly, I really don't think that hit on Allen was dirty. I think it was clean. But a lot of people made a big deal about it, so I kind of had to say that. (laughs) Yeah, actually, Sean McDermott talked a little bit about Josh Allen being a real pro in terms of not harboring a grudge or not making a big deal out of shit. That's the thing about Tom Brady that's bugged me for years. He's such a whiny person. Whine, whine, whine. And you don't see that with Josh Allen. He's like, pick himself up, move on, next play. I think I have more respect for that point of view. I do too. He's mature. I mean, for his age, he shows a lot of maturity and a lot of growth. You know, it seems like every time we see him speak at the podium, he's just growing more and more. Every time we see him play, he's growing more and more. So I'm certainly happy that Josh Allen is our quarterback. Now it's time for our giveaway. We were giving away a signed 8x10 of... Jonathan Feliciano, who has been really fantastic for this team. This week, we did a little different. We wanted people to quote tweet our tweet with their favorite part of the podcast from last week. 
And the winner of that signed 8x10 of Jonathan Luciano is Derek Babcock at ArmyGuy702. And he quote tweeted it and said, give me the meat or something like that. When Robin was talking about wanting a big bodied wide receiver like Bronco Sutton. (laughs) Hashtag Mafia Mavis, hashtag Go Bills. So congratulations to you, Derek. And also thank you for serving. I see that you were in the Army. We hope you enjoy your 8x10. Please tweet out when you hang it up or you put it wherever you put it. Please tweet that out so we can retweet it and show everyone. This week. Our giveaway is a signed 8x10 of none other than Marv Levy. How exciting is that? I kind of want it for myself. Maybe I'll just make myself win. (laughs) But no, for real, the picture is fantastic. And he signed it, Marv Levy, HOF for Hall of Fame 01 when he was inducted. So I think you guys are really going to love it. I can't wait to give that out. Now, In order to be entered to win, you know, you have to follow the Mafia Mavens, which is at the Mafia Mavens on Twitter. Follow Jim Ruther, who is the one that supplies all of our giveaways. Love him to death. And that's at Jimmy R-E-U-8-1. And this week, we're going to do a little bit different. I still want you to screenshot listening to our podcast and put that tweet under our thread that we put up under the pin threads at the top of our profile. But I also want you to tag three people in it when you do that, just to let more people know about our podcast and let them know that we do some really great giveaways every week and spread the love, basically. It's the Christmas season. Tis the season. So good luck with that. Make sure you follow the rules before we go. Make sure that you're listening to all of the podcasts from the Buffalo Rumblings Podcast Network. They are Believe, Blitz Bills, Buffalo Rumblings Q&A, the Nick and Nolan show, Circling the Wagons, and our Mafia Maven show. As always, thanks for listening and go Bills. Go Bills.